Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen concludes her two-part discussion with Sabra Starnes on Sabra's reunion story through an attachment lens. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm looking forward very much to sharing uh, an interview today with Sabra Starnes, and I want to tell you a bit about her. Um, Sabra is um, a therapist, but also um, an adoptee, and she and her twin were adopted as infants in a closed adoption. She grew up in a transracial family in the Midwest, experiencing many joys and challenges. Sabra and her family experienced racism and discrimination as a transracial family. She learned to persevere and be a strong advocate for herself. And at a very young age, she knew she wanted to help others. So she provides uh, adoption counseling using attachment-based therapies connected with expressive therapies. She facilitates a monthly foster and adoptive support group and love and logic parenting workshops. As an expert adoption therapist for the past 22 years. She has had the personal experience and professional training to work with families touched by adoption and foster care. She's a strong advocate for children who are in care to have permanency or reunify with their birth families. So Sabra just has a wealth of both personal lived experience and professional training to bring to our discussion today. And our topic is um, looking at her attachment and reunion story through an attachment-based lens. So she will be here just in just a second. Join the Knowledge Center for an experiential workshop designed to support successful engagement of parents in the child therapy process. Karen Doyle Buckwalter will be joined by Daphna Lender for the other half of the equation, engaging parents in child therapy. This two-day workshop on April 28th and 29th will focus on how to identify parents who need more focused work, how to set goals for the parent, how to help parents initiate relationship repair, and more areas to help the child, parent, and therapist get the most out of the therapy session. Registration is now open. For more information, order register for the workshop, head to tkcchaddock.org. Okay, welcome back, Sabra, to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Wow, we are here to continue to listen to your story about your search and reunion. Um, And there's just so much here. We've been talking about you being a transracial adoptee and we've been talking about loyalties that come up with search and reunion. And we've been talking about um, secrets, family secrets, and how much you're gonna push on those. 
Oh, wow. So when we left off, you shared that you had, uh, you know, found your your birth mother. And um, after correspondence of a year, you moved in with um, your birth family for a period of time. And an eldest sister was holding information that not everyone had or was willing to give. So she told you who your father was. Yeah. Where do you want to go next with this story? I feel like this podcast could go on for months. I'm like, yeah, incredible. I'm so honored that you're willing to tell this. Yeah, no, um, you know, it's, and it's hard work, but it's work that I've spent a lot of work um, personally on to be at the space where I can, um, and I'm always aware of my boundaries and I know where I'll go and where I won't go. Um, so I when, can tell. It's great. You're very solid telling this incredible story. So when I moved to uh, Kentucky, that's the state I was born, I, my, my thought was I didn't really have, I didn't know how long I was going to be there. I just finished graduate school. Um, I needed, I, this was something that was really important to me. <clears throat> and so when I moved there, um, it I got to spend these moments and conversations with my grandmother, with my siblings, all of my siblings lived within the area. So I got to meet uh, five of my siblings and build a relationship as a little sister. Um, what happened in the year in that, so I was there in living with her for eight months. On the eighth month, I was work. I had found a job. I was getting ready to move into an apartment. So I'd been living on my own. So my plan was not to live. You know, it was just as it was as I you know moved to a new place to to get started. And I was packing things up, getting ready to go to a, a, my new apartment. And my birth mother came up to me and said, "Don't don't get too big. Don't get too ahead of yourself." with this new job and with you moving and I said well, what do you what do you mean she said don't forget who helped you get here don't forget what I've done for you and my back was to her and again a part of me again I'm I'm, a, I'm feisty and I also have from her she's she's a very um you know got strong emotions very she can react to things very quickly which was like oh that's where I get it because <laughs> that was me growing up um, I turned around and faced her in that moment that for me, uh, again, a lot of it, again, about safety is for me, I already had my, I already had my exit plan, meaning that when something she did or said to me made me feel scared, angry, or worried that I was my, I was leaving her this time. I was going to be the one to, to, to to end this. She wasn't going to walk, be the one to end it. So I turned around and said, what do you mean? You've done nothing for me. And, you know, I said, my adoptive parents got me here. They're the ones who've been here. You, you know, you, were, you weren't here. And she just looked at me and said, and just kind of gave a blank look as if I was telling, you know, a lie, making things up. And I left. I left the house and I came back a few days later, hoping to repair, hoping to have a discussion. Um, growing up in my home, so when, when anger or when disagreements happen, 
I could usually go back and repair very quickly with my father. With my mother, I couldn't. My mother often really was her way of responding to conflict was to shut down. So I thought I've had this relationship with my birth mom where we talk, I mean, we were like best friends. We talked about everything. I'm like, this is amazing. I mean, I can talk about her every time. So we're going to work this out. I went back and she opened up the Bible and she started reading me scriptures. And I said, I'm here to talk to you about what happened. I'm here to work through this. I'm still, you know, I'm getting, I need to get my stuff. I'm moving, but I want us to work through this. And she just kept reading me Bible scriptures as her way of responding to me. And I left and didn't come back after, for months. Um, I was devastated. Uh, and I end up moving. So for, again, I was in Kentucky for a year and some, not more than no, it wasn't maybe 10 months. Um, and then I, moved back to the where I am now. I, I met someone who lived here and fell in love and moved back here, which was uh, great. But I remembered just, I was devastated. Wow. Because here you're thinking, okay, we have something different than I didn't have with my adoptive mom about how we communicate um, and plus all, all the other important things of, of it being your birth mother. And then it's like shut down. Wow. And so you may, and you're in just for listeners. So you're back, you're in Baltimore area. Um, I'm in, um, I'm about 15 minutes outside of DC. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. DC. Yeah. Okay. Outside of DC. Um, and what about your birth father? What happened there? So I, what I, my older sister worked in the uh, juvenile justice system and she did office administrative work. And so she every, once a year had to go and visit um, jails within the Kentucky, um, Kentucky state. And she met my birth father who was in jail. He was in jail for, for, for murder and he knew of us and would ask her periodically over the years about us. Um, I, but I never, I've not, ne I've never met him. Um, she knew a, a first name and in TV in this moment, I can't remember his first name because it just has never really stuck with me. Um, I think hearing some things about him, knowing about him, I, I had also, for me, I also had a very healthy, I mean, mate, my, my adoptive, my dad is, is great. So I think if I didn't have my dad, um, it may have been more important to know who my birth father was. It still was, but it wasn't as. You, you, you felt like you knew, you had the information that you needed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I at one point I thought about well maybe I'll go. We were I talked to her about maybe going to the to the jail, but I was like I don't want to go visit, so I don't want to go to a jail and visit somebody that way. So it just became I had what I needed needed to have. Um, one of uh, very again when it goes back to adoptees not always getting the their information. Um, this, my old, my uh, sister had shared with us that we had, my twin and I had two different fathers. 
which sounds kind of crazy as twins, what do we mean? But on the medical documents that my parents got, it says we are bizygote twins, which means we had two separate eggs. I didn't know that that was an actual fact until three years ago. I was interviewing my dad and asking, I'm like, you know, did you know this? And um, I had heard, this is what um, I was told. Did you, did, he said, oh, you know what, that, that's true. That was on your, your medical paperwork. And so my older sister knew of both of our fathers and shared that with, with my twin. But it just it layers on what it, what it meant um, for just our family, the, the secrecy of, of things, um, the level of um, deceit that my birth mother put a lot of people in. Um, so that it uh, was where that, that, so when I came back to try to repair with her, um, I began to understand, what began to unravel for me is this fantasy of the perfect mother. Yeah. I began to see this person for really who she was and what she wanted me to do when she wanted me to forget one, that I was adopted. She had started to play into her fantasy of, I have my perfect daughter here who doesn't, who all, I mean, I was just, you know, I was, we never argued. I never challenged her on things where my other sisters always challenged her on things. I was always just, no, everything's fine. You're great. You're wonderful. And, and that moment, um, I realized, wait a minute. No, no, that's not the narrative. You are not, you did not, you gave me up. You gave, you decided to just to to abandon to not be my mother. You made that choice um, to where it ended our relationship, and that was after a span of um, and, you know we like I said we had known we had this relationship for seven years, um, and in it, it, it in that time it started to unravel to the point where it's now. I don't speak to her at all. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and because you have worked through the boundaries that you want and need to have, I mean, just, I'm just amazed. Um, uh, how much you had to navigate to find out something so many of us just take for granted. Exactly. It's, it was exhausting. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I'm thankful for my therapist. I mean, it was exhausting. And, you know, thinking about attachment theory and, you know, the idea of having a safe haven and a secure base, you know, and um, how... I, 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 I'm sitting here, I'm trying to imagine, you know, what it was like before, then finding your birth family and what it was like after in terms of who you are, how you move through the world, your own feelings of safety and connection. I mean, what, what was the impact of, of some of this? Yeah. Well, so I ha having my relationship with my dad, he was very, I was able to to call him and talk to him. I had, I, I had a close net of friends who really, even though they didn't get it, they just were there to hold me and support me. Um, what 
it allowed to happen was for me to make a, uh, it got to a place where I said, I, I want to make uh, emotional decision for myself. Um, either I, I was going to try to keep, you know, my thought initially was like, well, let me just keep going back and trying to get her to love me and get her to understand me or let me be the, I was then realizing as a, as a young woman, let me find, let me be who I need to be. And I, by moving back and leaving, um, I was able to heal. Um, I, I had a better sense of just my identity. And I, from there, it just helped me. It, I needed that. I needed to do that. And even though it was painful and all that came with, it gave me my story. It gave me information about who and relationships. So I had relationships with my siblings. I had a relationship with my grandmother. Um, and then also it helped repair uh, my relationship with my adoptive mom that allowed her to do some different work in a different way and recognize her pain was uh, not about shutting me out, but was, I mean, by, shut, by shutting me out was how that was hurtful, but that the work was, I her, for her was, she had worried that because I had found my mother who was a black mother, that I was going to forget her. Mm -hmm. And so we worked on our relationship became much more open, much stronger um, to what I needed. So it really helped me. I think I had, it, it, it helped me to grow. Um, it helped me to accept. I never thought I would not be talking to my birth mom. I never thought I would be ever thinking she would be gone for my life again. But I had it. I couldn't do it. I wasn't going to do it her way. I wasn't going to do the lies. I wasn't going to pretend. I wanted her to accept me for me, and I realized that she was. This, I was again. Me. I felt very used. Like I was her, her, her golden daughter who loved her, but she really wasn't loving me back the way that I demanded and required to be loved, which was a love that was authentic. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, you know, and you, and you've used the word narrative and we know how important a coherent autobiographical mm -hmm. narrative mm -hmm. is for all people. Um, and, and just thinking as you're talking, you know, you, you had the narrative of your adoptive parents, um, which, which some of it, you know, was lived out consistently by them and, and, and some not from what, and then, you know, then meeting your birth family and your birth mother's narrative. And it just feels like you're like, no, like I am writing this, you know, this is my narrative that yeah. I'm working through. I am creating yeah. my story. It's not going to be somebody telling me how it is because yeah. it just seems like, there's such an input, even therapists, I mean, I'll, I'll speak from my, from my uh, therapist, uh -huh. imposing narrative on kids we work yeah. with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? It, like all the grownups in the room deciding. Oh, I, yes. As a, yes. <laughs> so, so I think yeah. this, this is like such a message of, no, you, you're there to help us create our own narrative, not impose yours 
Yeah. And that is not as obvious as it sounds, because depending on your own needs as an adoptive parent, as a birth parent, as a therapist, as any kind of caseworker, helper, whatever, if you're not aware and doing your own work, that's going to happen to some degree. Yes. And I think the thought is, well, maybe if I create your narrative for you, this will help you you know, make, fill in the pieces or, um, I'm doing this to make things better for, for, for the adoptee, which it's, it's a, it's a, you know, a, a not okay. It's not to, it, you know, create that story for adoptee who oftentimes is just wanting to, wanting to figure it out in their own way and their own time. Um, and, Except being able to hand and the, and the truth, and they oftentimes the Bible. Well, if we don't talk about what really happened, we just kind of make up this other story. We'll all be we'll all be okay, but the adoptee isn't. Right, right. You know what I'm thinking about as clinicians, because a lot of clinicians listen to our podcast. Mm-hmm. What is the balance between helping? and creating safety, sharing truths that you know, where's the line between that and imposing? Because I can't tell you how many adopted children I encounter that no therapist has even talked about the adoption. Like, it's like a non-issue. Yeah, yeah. Which to uh, those of us, such as yourself, of course, or even those of us in the field, it's rather shocking. Yeah. That like, oh, that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. So where's that? Where do you, as an, a, a, an adopted person and a clinician, where's that line between o- opening up the story and trying to create safety as opposed to us deciding the story? Yeah. So I uh, really be a strong advocate in the room. So when either a, for when adoptive parents start to try to start to tell the narrative, I stop it. I say, no, that's not your story to tell. Um, so we talk about boundaries and allowing it the, the, in the, in the child may will still be in the room or the teen and say, this is your story. You get to decide when you want to talk about it. It's not my story. Um, I'm, or your, or anyone else in this room. And so I'm going to be, I'm going to create space. I'm going to create, um, things that we can use. Um, but I also will say your, your story is for you to be able to share it in a way that you know that your parents aren't going to leave, go and tell their neighbors or tell their friends what you said. So we talk a lot about, I do a lot about a lot of grounding work to use around and about the adoption narrative, um, like by that setting up safety. Um, what does safety look like? What does safety feel like? And also honoring the adoptees' rights. That this is, and so that's a lot of times when parents again come in with, well, let me tell you about. So being in a, as a clinician, being willing to step in and advocate, not and again, not in a way of like taking over for an adoptee, but advocating for the 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 work to be done in a safe way. So also as a clinician, I don't ask uh, as a clinician not asking. So let's talk about your adoptions today or let's I might invite the adoptee how would you you know to 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 know that this is something you can bring up when um you want to and we'll you know using other uh 
interventions and techniques that might allow that to happen. But I really move from a pace that's very much about the adoptee's pace, not anyone else's pace. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good. That's so good because that seems like that seems like basic, right? You move at the pace of your client, but somehow with children, even particularly adopted children, it seems like there's a whole lot more of this prioritizing the story of the parents or, or yeah. What do you, what are your thoughts about, yeah, I think I know your, what your thoughts are going to be, but I think it's an important thing for us to talk about. <laughs> There's also, I'm thinking about protection of that narrative and story because we have a lot of adoptive parents in the name of getting support and things, which I understand, you know, mm-hmm. parent support, adoptive parent, biological parent, but yeah. there's a lot of revealing a lot of details yes. and blogs and online and in books about the history of yeah. um, adopted persons. What yeah. is, what do you have to say about that? Ugh. <laughs> No, don't. It's not not okay. It's very invasive. It also it, it comes off as, again. I for adoptive parents, it's kind of like, oh, look what we you know we've we've done this, and let me tell you the story of our child that we've adopted, and here's all that's happened to them. Um, one of the things I gave my parents never did that. They did not go around sharing our story, I, and even though with their they. They just, even with um, birth family, even with our family, even family members, they just, it's really, they really was like, this is, again, our, this is our family. This is our story. This is not our, you know, they someone knew this wasn't a story to tell um, and really protected that. So I think it's a lot of times parents realizing that that is, as a family, as a, to share that with others is really invading privacy of the adoptees. Really, um, not not okay mm-hmm. um, to think that you can have that that you share it and why 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 would you why are you telling this this information to other people even though like, then back to your point about services but you don't have to tell I mean the the, the, the really I mean oftentimes you know the hard story the information um, as an adoptive mother myself, I have a lot of stories about my children's family of origin that I don't ever speak about. It's mm-hmm. not my right. I'm not, I don't have, that's not. I think that we did not mention earlier in the podcast that you're also an adoptive parent. Yes. And that happened um, when I moved back after leaving Kentucky and I moved back and kind of started um, my new, my life back in uh, Maryland again. Um, I started to, I always wanted, knew I wanted to be a mother and adoption for me was something that was a way natural. That's just how I wanted to be a mom. And so I adopted, um, I have two sons that I've adopted and um, that was kind of the next journey. And so I was really in a good place, surprisingly, when I moved back, I was, was in a, just a good place in my life, professionally and personally, um, that I was able to move on 
uh, in a way that I didn't think I was going to. I thought coming, having to leave, leaving my grandmother was was so was extremely hard to do. I mean, I'd gotten so connected, so close to her, um, but I was able to come back a really new woman, um, and just experiencing and ready to be a mom. I was ready to just kind of take on my my life and do do the things that made me truly happy. But it feel having known having known that my birth mother having spent time with her I so needed that and even to this day it, I don't have this uh these questions I don't have this wonder it's just it, it's helped me calm my heart it's helped me kind of calm things it's made me better in relationships I'm not always trying to fix a relationship my attachment has changed <laughs> I, my attachment style is very you know I'm more I'm more on the uh on the, You're uh, on the same Yes. I've moved probably from disorganized to more yeah. So I'm I'm better as uh I'm healthy I'm in healthier I keep healthier boundaries and healthy relationships with others. Yeah. Well I I'm just um Wow, when we when we decided to to do this podcast, you know, I was obviously very eager and excited. But now, just hearing the story, it's like even more, you know, power. It's so powerful what you have to share and your bravery in the face of one obstacle after another. This this just um yeah this uh drive that you'll find out who you are and who your pieces what the pieces to your story are you know it's just really incredible and inspiring and I'm yeah. just honored that that you're, you're willing to share it and I you know I and it's a driver which I didn't have to have had in my <laughs> journey you know <laughs> it comes it, it's you know I have other no other you know, it's our journey of how we need to find our way. I've used it in, a, in ways that serve me versus ways that have, you know, could easily have brought me down. It easily could have made me not love myself, you know, I, but I use it in a way that helped me to be a good, I mean, I'm, I'm now a, a grandmother to a three-year-old and I'm, you know, it's helped me be this, this really great grandmother to her that, you know, we're helps her mean to be a great mother, a great wife, but it's so I've used it not to bring make it, uh, but it's work, it's, it's exhausting, it, it is hard work. But now I've learned, you know, just from experience and, and learning how to take care of Sabra, and that's been something you know, I've also from day one coming into the world as baby, I was baby A, that was my name. I somehow came in the world saying we're I, we're gonna I'm, I'm gonna take care of myself and I for most of my life I took care of myself um, in ways that I, I really shouldn't have had to but you know it came with just a lot of different reasons but I a lot of times I really had to fight for myself. Yes, yes. Well, again, I want to thank you so so much, and I want you to share your website, your webinars, your consultation, your supervision, what everything. I mean, you you come with this with so yeah. many over, so many different identities that are so coming together in this beautiful way that you have so much to offer. Well, I'll make it super easy. It's my, go to my website. It's a kind of a one stop uh, shop there, but it's my website, Sabrastarns.com. Um, 
All right. Well, thank you very, very much for for um, giving us your time today. Yes, no, you're welcome. Incredible. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchattock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchattock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.